0: Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington, and this is the Azerbaijan Grand Prix race reaction. That was a bit of a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot back to calling it Baku. Uh, like usual in our race reactions, we're gonna go through the storylines of the race with Red Bull one two taking it home. After that, we're gonna go through our checkered flags. And then we're gonna do our overreactions for the race that Lance will lead, and finally we'll wrap it up with closing thoughts. In case you weren't listening closely, yes, we have Tanner on the podcast, Lance on the podcast, me on the podcast. All the boys are back. This might be the first race reaction in a minute that we've all been together. But hey, guys, how's it going?
1: It's going good. It, yeah, thank thank you. Said it right. First time in a month, all three of us are able to be here for a race reaction. So I'm excited to dig into some racing. It was an exciting race, you know, maybe not Baku of last year, but still a really great time, a lot of fun, overtakes and storylines coming out, reliability issues and Porpoising coming up again. So we'll get into that, but yeah, how are you doing, Tanner?
2: I am I am very good. You just said it yourself, Porpoising coming back. I I decided to get on a horse during our last podcast and claim that Mercedes figured it out. I was, you know, dead wrong. So I'll, I'll take <laughs> my chops on that one but uh other than that I'm good I had a I had a fun time watching the race yeah it wasn't kind of what I would have hoped out of the Baku race but it was still definitely a good one um and got some got some good results to delve into
0: yeah I'm, I'm having progressively worse times watching races <laughs> as a Ferrari fan guys Charles Leclerc has gotten four consecutive polls DNF'd on two of them due to mechanical failure, and then has not podiumed on either of them, one due to a strategy mistake, and the other due to strategy slash his own mistake.
1: <laughs> I, I, I was gonna do an overreaction from Leclerc for Ferrari, but I didn't. So I'm just gonna. I just gotta ask, what kind of deal didn't Leclerc, Obinoto, or Signs make with the devil? To where they're going to be great in qualifying, get a couple wins this year, but then the other races, they just won't even finish. What kind of deal was made that this is the luck that we're seeing from such a such a historic and great team in Formula 1? It's
2: it's kind of classic Ferrari from, from what we know as Formula 1 fans. I do have a fun fact and kind of goes along with what you just said, Lance. Max Verstappen has more race wins this season on Charles Leclerc polls than Charles Leclerc does. Ouch. <laughs> this, this, this is a hard um, one to, to digest for Charles uh, Leclerc.
0: That hurts my Leclerc heart. Uh, that hurts my heart.
1: Well, and I'll say this, even as a non Ferrari fan, it's much easier to root against a guy when they're when when you don't like them, right? But Signs is a really nice guy. Gives you know good interviews. Easy to root for. Leclerc, pretty easy guy to root for, right? You can't really argue against him. He's a great driver. Great qualifier. Isn't isn't a dickhead. And yet they're doing bad. So as a fan, I hate to see them struggling. But on the flip side, it helps my team, McLaren, get more points each race. So no complaints there.
0: Yeah, we got some McLaren double points. Lando and Daniel Ricciardo with the surprise, Daniel Ricciardo ahead of Lando Norris.
1: I think first finish this year, Ricciardo getting ahead of Norris, at least during the race, maybe the second one. But definitely going to be huge for the confidence moving forward for the team and for Danny Rick and going to Canada next week where he had his inaugural Formula One win. So hopefully he can continue and build on this momentum. Lando Norris, solid day. He's probably disappointed with ninth considering we've seen him closer to the seven to three range even this year. So hopefully he can improve going on. But – Let's just talk about that first turn of the race. Starting out from the get-go, Leclerc's luck started off bad, having that lockup going into turn one from the start. Checo getting that overtake, and then even really Max putting on some pressure to him going into turn two. But then I believe he had to recover and place some defense there against Signs to hold him off to hold those positions. But what were you guys thinking of the of the pace there between Ferrari and Red Bull before? The, uh, the two drivers went out for the race. Did you think it was pretty comparable and be close to the rest of the race? Or did you think uh, Checo was going to pull away more? With
2: Charles being P2 and Charles being as strong as he has been this season, there was not ever a point where I thought it was decided for Red Bull, obviously, until we saw some Ferrari retirements. Um, but with all that, I always thought that, that Charles had a chance of coming back, um, you know, it was a little weird when he took that pit stop to gain an advantage under the safety car early on. Um, but even with that, you could have seen a scenario where, um, where that was going to be a great strategy for him and it didn't hurt him in the end to a huge extent. I mean, he was having a strong race. So it was like, (laughs) we can, we say this race after race, it's a tough one to digest for Ferrari fans out there
0: yeah, as a Ferrari fan, you know, I was the opposite. I, I thought, okay, here we go again, a red bull is gonna run away with it. Suddenly, Checo starts struggling with the tires, but Max is on Charles's tail. and then we have the virtual safety car. I really liked Ferrari's decision to pit there. I thought in case Charles got overtaken, that was a great move to take at that time, kind of save some time on a future pit. Um, so I was a big fan of it. And at that point, signs was out of the race. I thought it was a pretty good way to ensure some, some kind of second guessing from Red Bull, uh, kind of potentially having to pit each other close to each other. Uh, and it, and it worked out for Charles for a while and, and, and then his, uh, his what was it hydro no hydraulics was was, was a
2: power unit failure signs
0: a power unit failure for Leclerc so I actually really like the move I thought it was for once a good strategy decision by Ferrari but of course doesn't matter when you have a faulty car um I'm disappointed
1: no, that's fair I agree with the strategy uh with with signs or to being out of the race. I don't know if it would still be been the best call. If they had both their cars available, there may have been a different window down the line, but with that coming into play after signs retirement. I thought it was worth taking a shot. I think it was pretty clear. That's what was needed. If they were going to be able to pull something off, having to battle against two red bulls with one Ferrari. So definitely respect there. And then getting into red bull. You, they had the perfect day for stopping first check. two. And I believe Checo was also the one with the fastest lap. I don't think that ever got beaten, even though Max may have gotten close a couple times. And that's huge. Looking into the driver's standings, Checo has now jumped Charles Leclerc into second in the standings. So I know we ended last week and even previewed this week with Checo being 15 points, you know, down from Max who was in first with Leclerc splitting the two. And now Leclerc's been leapfrogged and Leclerc is down three. 34 points to one max Verstappen leading the way in the Drivers' Championship. I did not see this coming this race. I didn't see it getting turned on its head this quickly in a matter of two, three weeks. I I don't know. I still think it's a two team battle. I'm not throwing out Leclerc by any means with what we've seen this year. I'm just astounded that Leclerc's big lead has already disappeared into a max Verstappen giant lead. Uh, in the driver's championship. What do you make of uh, all, all the standings there, Tanner? You know,
2: I, I think from a team standpoint, it's a tough one, right? Because we've, we see Max Verstappen and, and Sergio Perez really rise, raising his level and, and getting up there uh in terms of car performance compared to Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. And so with that, it's almost a 2v1 because Carlos Sainz hasn't brought it as a number two driver, the way Checo Paris has, at least in the last couple of races. And so with that, you know, what, what is it like an 80 point gap for the team standings or the constructor standings at the end of the day, that one's a tougher one to swallow for me than the driver's championship. I think a lot can happen in a driver's championship and Charles Leclerc at the end of the day is still in a very fast car. He is still a very competent driver and maybe we'll see like a little bit of a, let's say a market correction when it comes to uh, maybe Red Bull having to deal with some issues with their car down the road, because that's certainly something that wouldn't be shocking to see given some of the things that have happened to them and to that AlphaTauri car throughout the season.
0: Here's hoping, right? <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping, None of, uh, none of us are big Red Bull fans, so, so seeing them kind of, run away with uh with the championship would be a little underwhelming to say the least i guess um but yeah then we also see mercedes come third and fourth in this race pretty impressive result for them uh given the circumstances given the fact that their car was a clear third um and i want to say clear third whether that's optimistic or pessimistic uh a lot a lot of pessimism is surrounded by a Mercedes uh, because they're struggling a lot. They're clearly faster than every other team that's not named Ferrari or Red Bull. Uh, So I I don't want to have any illusion there that they're struggling to finish races or struggling to get in the points. They're the third fastest car.
2: And with that, yeah, I mean, it's a big thing and it's another thing with the standings that we're looking at George Russell's now ahead of Carlos Sainz in P4. That's, something that we can't ignore and so all this pessimism all this whining that comes out of Lewis Hamilton Toto a little bit George um it's not always super fun to hear I'd I'd rather hear something along the lines of yeah I'm thrilled with the way things are going well of course they aren't going to say that but you know where I'm coming from
1: yeah a couple notes I have on Mercedes and and really just this race as a hole looking like the days of old the days of last year where majority as of uh, red bull mercedes are making out the top four that was interesting to see back up at the top and made me just think of last year when we're always seeing you know a botas a hamilton max and a check over those four guys making up at least three of the top four positions so that was interesting to see again a little reminiscent and then as far as the drivers go at mercedes obviously george russell has been having a great year continue to finish p5 in every race coming home with another podium. I believe what that's his third podium on the year. So props to him. Lewis Hamilton complaining as he has done, I think eight out of eight races there. So every time Russell's in the top five, we can count on Hamilton having at least one or two complaints about wanting to not race anymore, but still pulling off a solid result. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast or not, but even if we have, I want to revisit it. I read something the other weekend. Don't know if it was true because it was on Twitter, but Russell's been more consistent and been able to perform well, I read, is because Lewis Hamilton has been more experimental in trying to fix the car with Mercedes and test out various kits and whatnot. And so that's why we maybe see a bit more volatility in his finishes as well as his qualifying and just not being able to keep up with Russell. Even if that is true, I do find it interesting Interesting that all the different ways he's trying sometimes aren't even remotely close to where Russell's at. That wasn't the case for today, just going back to some other races. So who knows maybe if they are able to figure this out midway through Hamilton could go on a run still, you know, as there's 22 races this season, if by the 11th race, he has it figured out, maybe we see him beat Russell the next 11. Not saying that's going to happen. Just, uh, just kind of some thoughts there on that Mercedes pairing.
2: Certainly a possible one. Certainly a possible one. Uh it'll be interesting to see, but as we continue to go down the down the, I guess, the results sheet, I guess we'll start with the team that's next in the standings, Lance. Like Noah said earlier, we got a McLaren double points. That's something we
1: haven't been saying much this season. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Uh I'm feeling up and down. It's kind of up and down. What do you got there, Noah?
0: Let's start our checkered flags, I think. I I, I think it's time. I think this is a good pivot.
1: Yeah, that's good. Let's get into the checkered flag. So real quick, Lando Norris, ninth finish. Okay, he's not happy with it. As a Norris fan, I'm not happy. We'll take the points that we can get. I think he's still, what, is he six? Or Not six, he's seventh in the Drivers' Championship. I think that's going to be all he can get this year out of it. So just keep getting some consistent points, and I think he will finish there. Getting into my checkered flag for this race. Got to give props to the man, Daniel Ricardo coming home with points, putting on a good show with his drive and staying out on those hards longer, having some great strategy, being patient with Lando Norris to see if they could build up a gap there for when his pit stop came into play. He went up from, I think, 12th to 8th. As we all know, he's been struggling. We've given him a really hard hard time on this podcast, or at least we've tried to, I think, to keep ourselves honest. Happy to see him up there. Momentum booster going into Canada, as I mentioned earlier. Well deserved. And I also want to throw out I hope you guys took this bet. We are now two for two in our top 10s on people getting points. And as I mentioned, you know, I got to go ahead. We hit, I mentioned Vettel or Ricardo for top 10. They both hit it. I mentioned the Pierre Gasly plus 410 for top six. We also hit that. So we're just, we're on the There's heater right now between last week and this week. And what's the other one, Tanner? We talked about. You've got to sprinkle some money on a Lewis Hamilton
2: podium and you got to sprinkle some, the rest of your money on a George Russell podium in the the thought that one of those would hit Lance. You were on it this week. I, I just need to give you credit
1: where it's due. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wish I was betting as much money as I, as we talk about on the pod on these bets, cause I wouldn't have to do this podcast anymore. No, I'm just, <laughs> but <laughs> It's been great. Got to kind of make that face. The guy from the from the Bulls documentary after he does the coin flip with uh, Michael Jordan (laughs) against the wall, you know. But anyway, Daniel Ricciardo with the big checkered flag coming home and also getting getting some points for McLaren. Noah, what do you have for checkered flag?
0: Yeah, I want to touch on Daniel Ricciardo before I give mine. He's he doesn't get my first checkered flag, but I think he deserves one. He's been struggling a lot, you know, finishing behind his teammate, probably in his head a little bit. He's, he's spoken about that a little bit to the public and he got a great result today. Uh, kind of a topsy turvy run all day, kind of competing with his teammate more than anyone else. But a really impressive drive and nothing really to find fault with. And I think that's the biggest thing you can ask for for a driver who's struggling mentally is just a solid performance. It doesn't have to be a crazy one off podium. But a solid performance—it's—it's it's hard to ask for more. And so I think he's deserving of a checkered flag. For my checkered flag, I want to give it to the guy who came fifth out of nowhere, Pierre Gasly. Look, look at him. Look at Pierre. You know, we—we we talk a lot about Alpha AlphaTauri being weird, um, and and they continue to be weird. Uh, they had two cars that should have scored points today. Uh, Yuki had some unfortunate circumstances occur with the last like five, 10 laps with his rear wing, not closing. If, if he would have finished the race, he gets my other check or my checkered flag changes from Pierre Gasly to Alpha Tauri. They were on it today. They were on it with strategy. They were on it with pace and they were on it yesterday too, with qualifying. I thought it was really impressive from them, what they did, some flawless driving, some safe driving too, uh, not defending too hard against the faster Mercedes from Pierre Gasly, but defending hard enough and, and racing fast enough to place your car in that fifth spot is pretty huge for them trying to join the standings back to fight for that P5. So really impressive weekend from Alpha AlphaTauri and unfortunate that only Pierre was the one that was uh, the victor there.
2: Yeah, they had to go to Pierre Gasly. I mean, he he had an interesting weekend and in, certainly in free practices, every single one that he was in. Crofty was a big fan of talking about his contract details, how it's going to expire at the end of this year. And certainly Crofty was all over looking at which teams he might go to next, whether that's the, at the end of this season or later. But that'll be something to keep our eye on as we, as we move forward. It, it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, but With that, Noah, your checkered flag went to a guy with Pierre Gasly who was very strong and finished high defensively uh, all race. Mine is going to go to someone who was certainly on the offensive uh, this race and finished right behind him in Sebastian Vettel from Aston Martin. Seb Vettel was impressive all weekend. Uh, One thing that we talked about with all of this and that Lance hit on earlier with his bets uh, was that Seb Vettel and Pierre Gasly both finished on the podium here this last year. So. it it kind of goes a long way guys have their tracks and this is one of Seb Vettel's tracks. Uh, and, and with that, he had a strong race. Uh, the only slip up was when he was trying to pass Esteban Ocon. I can't remember what lap it was. And he had a tire lockup that forced him to drop down the order just a little bit. Uh, but he was very uh, able to pull off some nice going forward and keep getting some solid results. So uh, with that said, my checkered flag is going to sub Vettel for this race.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely deserved. Having an Aston Martin finishing in P6 is really impressive and uh, not something that I expected going into the weekend. I expected more of what happened to Lance Stroll all weekend. Um, So absolutely deserved for Inspector Seb grabbing the checkered flag. Uh, Some huge points for Aston Martin. They're now tied on points with Haas, which um, make that – make of that what you will Uh it's it's that's a really mixed bag right there whether that's a good thing for Aston Martin a bad thing for Haas a bad thing for both I don't really know Haas is in the bin right now uh Kevin Magnuson was having a good race and then had to retire the car Mick had a terrible race a a pretty bad weekend or not a terrible weekend Mm -hmm. uh so so kind of all over the place from them uh so don't really know what to make of that and then you got Alfa Romeo challenging um, Alpine looking like Guan Yu Zhou or Zhou Guan Yu was going to score some points, has to retire the car. Valtteri Bottas had a bit of a forgettable weekend. Really, uh, a, what, what a weird race. What a an eventful race. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think all of our checkered flags are are very
1: deserved. Yeah, just to touch on some of the things you guys said, Pierre Gasly, great P5. We all know what that means looking like last year when we could see him and expect him to be competing for the top six consistently or around that top eight so great to see him back up at five who knows where we'll see him next year that will definitely be interesting uh i would love to see him with the top team i don't know which driver i think he's deserving love to replace or where there would be an opening that would feel right i don't i don't know but As far as Sebastian Sebastian Vettel goes, love seeing him back up in the points. Got to give him his props, back-to-back points. As you said, now tied with Haas on the season. Gives them a great chance to move forward and maybe move up some of that constructor standings. You mentioned some of the other teams. We can talk about that in in a little bit. But I want to get into some overreactions. So the first overreaction that, that I need to get your guys' thoughts on, Ferrari out again. We don't. We don't really know if these struggles are going to be long-term, short-term, or what that's going to look like. I'm not saying they're not going to compete for first, but another team, Mercedes. After today, their consistency, we know they're going to be improving down the line. Do you guys think Mercedes has a real shot at finishing second in the constructors? Tanner, I'll start with you.
2: No, and here's why. Um, It's not necessarily because I don't think Mercedes is going to improve. Uh, this is my this is the overreaction section so I'm I'm gonna flare it it's because I think Lewis Hamilton's over the hill <laughs> I think he is in his last legs I think he's had a terrible <laughs> few races you can gas it all up on bad luck or bad experimentation on the day
1: he was called the goat
2: yeah uh, no I'm 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 past it I'm I'm here for the overreactions and and I I think the reason that Mercedes definitely doesn't have a chance at catching Ferrari is because of Lewis Hamilton's quality so far this season good lord those back issues come on man you're an athlete (laughs) George Russell is carrying you he's he's the one who should be complaining about back problems
0: oh wow I that is an overreaction that I don't entirely disagree with (laughs) (laughs) I, I I think Mercedes has a shot at second. I really do. If Ferrari, The whole Ferrari powertrain had problems today. And so I don't want to go out and say that that can't be a recurring issue. Mercedes is likely to improve. I think Ferrari will finish ahead of them. And I think they'll end up closer to Red Bull than Mercedes will to Ferrari. But I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's an overreaction to say they have a real shot at second. Going back to Tanner. Oh, coming back to Tanner. <laughs> All right. Lewis Hamilton finished in fourth today. On the surface level, that's an impressive result. When you dive into it, he got outperformed by George Russell again. Dave David Croft, Crofty, thought it would be cool to call Lewis the goat and George Russell the young pretender, which I don't know if it's an insult and – British language slang whatever that's an insult in America (laughs) calling someone a pretender is not a good thing and George Russell has been one of the best drivers this year and so I'm just incredibly mad at Crofty for that uh so yes George Russell's back should be tired from carrying Lewis Hamilton if if the whole experimentation thing is true then sorry Lewis but either way you're getting outperformed by George George has been solid this year he 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 has been clean he has been efficient and he's been fast and lewis hasn't always been that but he still came forth which is a good result i guess
1: (laughs) i'll say this it's tough when you call someone a goat right or when you or even when you expect them as a top five all time in their sport you're expecting championships you're expecting podium finishes you're expecting wins all the time so there's a lot of weight on hamilton I don't think he's at his peak. I don't think anyone's going to be questioning that. I If that's what over the hill means, so be it. I'm not going to fully <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> Let's give some props to Russell as well, that maybe he just is a really great driver, and now that he has the car and the machinery, he's able to perform. We've heard Alonzo and Vettel always talk about how important the right car is to be able to dominate and go on those stretches the way Mercedes has, the way Ferrari has in the past the way Red Bull's currently on one. So I just want to keep that in mind. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can, they can push up for a second in the constructors. I like when I get some energy going, some hot takes flying on these overreactions. feel like I did a good job with that one. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Moving on, we're not going to stray too far away from Mercedes. I apologize. So, But we are going to talk about a couple other world champions here. Fernando and Lanzo and Sebastian Vettel. Both getting the points today both still performing pretty well for their age, their time in the sport with the teams and the cars that they're with today. Do you guys think they would do just as good as one Sir Lewis Hamilton's doing if they were with Mercedes this year? If they were in the same machinery, would Fernando Alonso be performing at the same level? Would Sebastian Vettel be performing at the same level as Lewis Hamilton? These world championship drivers. I'm going to start with Noah this time. What do you think about that?
0: Lance, I is don't over- Is that an overreaction?
1: Is that an overreaction? <laughs>
0: Lance, I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> because I think I think the answer might upset some people. I think I think Lewis, we talked about the GOAT conversation. Lewis should be in that conversation. However, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think Fernando Alonso and Seb Vettel could be putting in the same results and i and i think they you know maybe could have outqualified george more than once um,
1: so we're just talking this year with mercedes we're just we'll get talking that process yeah. we're just we talking don't need this to get it all
0: yeah year. no lewis is one of the greatest drivers of all time but he's not having a good year seb vettel as of this race is having a good year fernando alonso has had some unlucky races but all in all is having a decent year which is exactly what Lewis is having. They're all having decent years. They're all kind of up there in age. They'd all be putting in the same results in that Mercedes car. I do not think that's an overreaction. And I hate saying that.
2: All right, it's my turn. (laughs) If I've learned anything about podcasting, I've learned that there's no room for waffling. And so with that, I'm only going to answer this question for Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso would be putting in stronger results in that Mercedes car this season. <laughs> that man is a killer. That man can drive till he's 50 if he wants. He's just, he's, he's a great driver and he can do what he wants in a Formula One car. It is his thing. Uh, while, while Lewis Hamilton shows obvious signs of age with some back issues, Fernando Alonso is the young spry lad that won two Drivers World Champions in the 2000s. He would be putting in fantastic results in that Mercedes.
0: That's harsh. (laughs) I love love how we laugh when we give our takes. (laughs) I I I think that's fun.
1: No, I like this. I want to sit on this overreaction for a second and give some of my thoughts. So Alonso and Vettel, they've been doing great this year, and I think they would be performing just as good as Lewis Hamilton, if only slightly better. I don't think they'd be doing a ton difference, maybe have anywhere between 10 to 20 more points at best from where Lewis is at, mm-hmm. and that's, that's where I see it. But I think it's close, but I don't think anyone can definitively say Lewis Hamilton is far and above You know, doing way better than what they could do in the car. But even if Alonzo or Vettel were with Mercedes, George Russell's still out beating them. He's still out qualifying. He's still having more points. I think nothing changes about his standings. Heck, he might even be getting more attention from the Mercedes team to help him do better because Alonzo and Vettel don't have that same personality, that same, you know, resume as one Sir Lewis Hamilton. So that, that's my two cents. Honestly, it could even help George Russell if they were there but good take, good take either way he's beating all three of them this year. We got a new young gun driving up the field doing great.
2: Ain't no contender. We, we need someone bringing facts and logic to this overreaction section cuz I'm I'm just on one and I'm, I'm going to continue to be on one.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to start <laughs> you with this next overreaction. The final one that I got today. We're keeping them fine. We're keeping them hot. Pierre Gasly. He had a great year last year. He did really well. Very impressive to the point to where really questioned if he should have had that seat instead of Checo for this year. Now Checo's doing great. No one's questioning that he deserves to be with Red Bull Pierre Gasly as they get a good car with him. He's putting in solid performances. He's doing well. We know he's a capable driver deserving of a good spot, but where, where's that going to be? So we don't know that, but is it an overreaction to put one Pierre Gasly on the same level as far as a driver goes as Lando Norris and George Russell? Is Pierre Gasly on the same tier? Now we might put we'll give Leclerc the nod, put put him closer to Max Verstappen when it comes to driver, and move Leclerc up one. I, I don't want to put Leclerc in this tier, uh, just for conversation's sake. But Lando Norris, George Russell, Pierre Gasly is that is that a conversation, Tanner? What do you think? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I I'm going to be
2: steadfast in my takes, and absolutely not. I I do still have a very high opinion of Lando Norris and certainly of George Russell, uh, with what they, what they're able to do in a formula one car. And I'm just not always convinced by, by Pierre Gasly. So I don't think he belongs in that tier. I, I think he's, a uh, he's probably on the same tier as my, my man Esteban Alcon. And I, I'm comfortable saying that. So, and I, I certainly wouldn't put my man Esteban Alcon on the tier of George Russell or Lando Norris. I don't, I don't I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, not, not that big of a homer.
0: I, yeah, I, I think I agree with Tanner. Uh, the The only reason I don't have Pierre Gasly on that tier is sometimes he can tend to be a little inconsistent. Uh, every once in a while, there's a weekend where he's just kind of forgettable and doesn't have the weekend that you expected from him. Uh, and then you have this weekend where he comes fifth out of nowhere with a great result, uh, which would put him on the same tier as George Russell and Lando Norris. And so He's really close. I think he might be the top driver on his tier. But I don't think that he's on the same as Lando and George just because of their innate ability to consistently put the car in the right position to score points, qualify even on their bad weekends. They're still getting solid points. Uh, So so that's why I have like a bit of a distinct difference between those drivers.
2: Yeah. And the the only other thing I want to throw into this conversation is, uh, as you guys both know, the best way to measure up drivers against other drivers on the grid is to compare their performances to their teammates. I would say probably, you know, fairly before this race, you could say Yuki Tsunoda uh, was having a better season than Pierre Gasly. And that that's not to say Yuki Tsunoda is a bad driver because I don't really think he is. I think he's coming into his own this year. Um, And that's certainly something you got to pat his back for. Um, But it is a knock on Pierre Gasly because if he was on the level of Lando Norris or George Russell, then he would be outperforming his teammate consistently.
1: An interesting fact about these three drivers and regarding their careers in Formula One since their debut. I'll, I'll start with the other two. So I'm looking at Lando Norris. He has 68 races he's been in. He's gotten six podiums and four fastest laps. George Russell, 68 races, one fastest lap, and four podiums. Pierre Gasly, 94 races, three fastest laps, and three podiums. Just some stats to get us out there because that's what you wanted, Tanner, so we could have some real conversation. Pierre Gasly is not on the same level as Lando Norris and George Russell. I think it is clear. I think it is obvious. I don't think it's a question. I think he might be on that tier below it if we were to go through it one of these days, and he might be leading that tier. He's pretty close. One reason I do not believe Pierre Gasly is on this tier is because I don't believe Lando Norris should just be mentioned with George Russell. I'm a big believer Lando Norris should be mentioned with Charles Leclerc. I think they should be mentioned in the same light, very close, given the same machinery. I would love to say Max Verstappen, but I can't put a world driver championship comparing him to these other two drivers just yet when we see his dominance. That's where I fall, Pierre Gasly. Not there. Those are the overreactions that I had today, guys. Any other thoughts that you have just around the Mercedes getting a potential second in constructors, Hamilton being replaced by other world drivers as a a joke, Gasly on the same tier. Any other thoughts there?
2: Uh, If we're talking about thoughts on all of this, not so much of a joke. A very real possibility is seeing someone like Lando Norris jump to Mercedes seat. When Lewis Hamilton does retire, so we'll be able to see him, you know, you would expect based on car performance, compete for potentially a world championship, if not at least a top three spot in the driver's standings by the end of the season. Um, So on on a more serious note, that's something that's far from a pipe dream to, to see Landon Norris in a Mercedes seat one day. And
0: not, not, not to disregard the potential of McLaren getting Audi as their engine um, maker, I guess would be the word. Uh, and I, I think it's an incredibly powerful position to be the lead uh, team or constructor for an, for an engine manufacturer. And so I think that's something that could potentially elevate McLaren in the future. Uh, Whether that makes them better than Mercedes, I I think it puts them on the same playing field as the rest of the top teams. And and, and I say that, but then we have Alpine as the lead for the Renault engine uh, sitting in that solid fifth spot. They kind of have struggled to put it together in the 2010s forward uh, to, to be as competitive at the top because they did have some world championships way back when in the two thousands. Um, but Little
2: Lotus days.
0: Yeah. Some Lotus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but yeah, they've been struggling. So I think it'll be interesting. My other closing thought Red Bull is going to have some decisions to make. They've got a couple young, great drivers, and they also have some young, potentially great drivers in their Academy that usually they like to bring up to formula one. And, I don't think that they should take a punt and get rid of Yuki or Pierre, given their performances, given Yuki's season. I think he's improved a lot, and I think he's showing that he deserves a seat. And, yeah, some decisions to make there.
1: It's a tough one. Really interesting what happened with Yuki today, with duct tape going on his back wing for that DRS splitting in two, the announcers just explaining, they're like, this is unsafe, man. It's going to fly off at 200 miles an hour and hit the guy behind him. So that was an interesting case to have happen, something you don't see every day, duct tape on the back wing of a Formula One car going 200 down a straight. I got to pour one out for one Joe Guan Yu today. I feel rough for him, man. He was having a great performance, looking at getting some true points today, seeing him make overtakes, including on his teammate Valtteri Botas, regardless of where the tires were at at the time. Very impressive. And this is his – I don't know, at least third, if not fourth or more, reliability issues that he's had to dealt with this year through eight races. And as a rookie, just getting those laps in and finishing races are such a big deal and so important for your development, let alone proving yourself and getting comfortable. So just feel really rough for him. Stroll, I don't know what really can be said there, just some more reliability issues, but nothing too and great is happening out after it's was it's so like, funny you want to see was... me do it again <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was uh it was a rough one from from a stroll but yeah i mean one of the teams that i thought had the mo- one of the most interesting races was alfa romeo because we saw joe guan Yu really show off not only in in the race but also in qualifying he's showing some real pace and what the hell Valtteri botas he was just he was nowhere the entire weekend whether it's free practice qualifying or the race it was just it was weird to see from from a guy that's been so reliable and so strong throughout this season.
0: Yeah, a bit of a rough one from Valtteri. I feel so bad for Zhou Guan Yu for a guy with kind of an unsafe seat going towards silly season and to have this much bad luck on a weekend that he had a he had a good weekend. Uh, it, it would have been you know pretty helpful for him, but uh, yeah, real real tough one for him. He out qualified Botas for the first time this season uh albeit in 14th but still that's impressive out qualifying botas is not easy uh botas out qualified lewis a fair amount of times at mercedes and so that just kind of speaks to his skill and so i feel bad for the man that 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 sucks that that just sucks (laughs) nothing more to say
1: yeah no that's fair and botas yeah well we give him a lot of love. Got to be a little hard on him. I don't know. Maybe his legs are getting tired from all the bike rides he does on the off weeks and things like that and all the running around. He's to zone in maybe a bit more. Who knows? Hopefully he'll improve going into Canada. Tanner, I do want to give your team some respect. We haven't talked a ton about them. Alpine, come in with double points, though they were one of four teams, right? Yeah, one of four teams to get double points today and finish in the top ten. But props to them finishing 7th and 10th. Ocon coming in again. And Alonzo, proven well, as we talked about. How do you feel, Tanner? I feel
2: good. I feel good. It was a strong race for my boys. Uh saw some interesting defending from each of them throughout the race. Just Alpine, fast on the straights. McLaren, slow on the straights. It's a it's a change of mindset that, w- that we have to, like, process our brains through that the Alpines are now or at least with the car that they ran this weekend, one of the, one of, if not the fastest car on the straights, so is just, that's, that's new territory for me. So I don't know, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, so finally, finally got over the hump of passing Alfa Romeo and the Constructor Championship. So that one feels good too. So uh, I, I'm pretty happy with the race. It was, it was good to see my guys get some, get some action through it all.
0: Yeah, impressive result from them. I I really enjoyed seeing the varying setups between all those midfield teams. It was hard for teams to pass Alpine because of how fast they were on the straights. Uh Aston Martin were the second fastest on the straights. That's what probably benefited Seb in the end. Don't really know what happened with Lance Stroll. He clearly had issues all weekend. He flat spotted a tire and his team decided to keep him out and qualifying. And that's why he wrecked. Uh, so, so that was kind of Aston Martin's fault more than it was strolls strolls probably still would have missed out on Q2, but even still that doesn't help. Uh, and then he just had a forgettable race uh, starting on hards and it, it didn't really benefit him the same way it benefited someone like uh, Daniel Ricardo uh, throughout the race. So, bit of a weird one from him. And then alpha kind of all over the place, all these teams, different strategies, different setups really came to fruition on a really cool track in Baku that has long straights and slow corners. And it's, so it's, you know, different strokes for different folks, really. And that's, that's one of the cool things about Baku Uh, really, you can kind of go at it with setup and each team can kind of have a different strategy on top yeah. of castles castles are yeah. always cool castles
2: I, castles made me crash when i drive in f1 2021 but these guys managed to squeeze through them every time so impressive driving from the professional drivers
1: <laughs> i do want to give love just to the track it comes through great on the tv for being honest and that's always nice to to be watching something that looks cool whether it's that castle architecture or the modern to futuristic even style buildings that they have in the area and then going from slow corners to long straights as you guys said really added for a great mix-up today maybe not a ton of overtaking we didn't have you know standing starts outside of the start of the race but still gave us a lot of variability a lot of moving around tons of conversation points moving forward with and these teams aren't going to have ton to make A lot of changes as they're headed straight to Canada, I believe, next week traveling across the ocean to get another race done here in North America, which will be exciting. But before we even jump into that, you guys have any other closing thoughts here on Azerbaijan Baku 2022?
0: Dude, uh, my closing thoughts are please Ferrari don't disappoint me next week. That's that's my closing thought. <laughs> no more to add. We really talked about all teams today. So so good job got by you guys. Uh, like not we don't always get to everybody and and I think I think we did a solid job today. Nice pat on our backs.
2: We came close. There there are two teams that we didn't hit on. We don't really well, We really... don't
0: want to hit on Williams. So. Yeah.
2: Or yeah, we we and yeah, we feel bad talking about Haas. So especially Noah cuz he he Jinxed it. So shout touched
0: <laughs> on shout them a little it. bit when you lost Wi-Fi.
2: Oh, okay, okay.
1: We'll we'll shout out Albon for getting 12, doing what he can in that Williams today, moving up the field. Hopefully, we'll see him points a couple more times this season. Mick, we refuse to talk about you until you do the thing, and that's where we're gonna end today. Thanks, you guys, as always, for listening to this. If you didn't check out the preview, hear that. Hear what our thoughts were going into this race. Hear what some of the betting stuff we talked about. We'll be back early next week previewing the Canada Grand Prix. I don't know if it has a different name than just that. But anyway, if you enjoy this episode and you'd like to support us, just give us that five-star review. That's really all we ask for. It helps us out, helps other people find us. Share this with your friends. Get them to listen to it. Thanks again, and that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel-to-Wheel F1 Podcast.